This is Speaking of Writers. I'm Steve Richards, and our anniversary of VJ Day continues with our series on World War II and the end of World War II. And uh, today it's all about Nagasaki and the book Nagasaki, The Forgotten Prisoners by John Willis, which is coming out on October 11th of this year. John Willis is one of Britain's best-known television executives. He is a former director of programs at Channel 4 and director of Factual and Learning at the BBC. He was vice president of national programs at WGBH in Boston. In 2012, he was elected as chair of the British Academy of Film and Television Arts. He is currently chair of Mentor Media, producers of Question Time for BBC, and he also chairs the Board of Governors at the Royal Central School for Speech and Drama. The book Nagasaki at 11.02 in the morning, on an August morning in 1945, America dropped the world's most powerful atomic bomb on the Japanese port city of Nagasaki. The most European city in Japan was flattened to the ground as if it had been swept aside by a broom. More than 70,000 Japanese were killed. At the time, hundreds of Allied prisoners of war were working close to the bomb's detonation point as forced laborers in the shipyards and foundries of Nagasaki. The prisoners in Nagasaki were eyewitnesses to one of the most significant events in modern history, but writing notes or diaries in a Japanese prison camp was dangerous. To avoid detection, one Allied prisoner buried his notes in the grave of a fellow POW to be reclaimed after the war, and another wrote his diary in Irish. Now using unpublished, rarely seen notes, interviews, and memoirs, this unique book weaves, book weaves together a powerful chorus of voices to paint a vivid picture of defeat, endurance, and survival against astonishing odds. I am happy to have John Willis join me here on Speaking of Writers. John, welcome to this program. Thank you very much, and delighted to be with you. So what led you to Nagasaki? Well, the previous two books I wrote were about the Battle of Britain, the, the brave pilots in their hurricanes and spitfires who fought off the might of the German Luftwaffe uh, and protected Britain. And the anniversary, the 80th anniversary of that coincided with the 75th anniversary of Nagasaki. And I began to wonder about the nature of heroism, what made someone brave. And I realized that the POWs in Nagasaki had endured so much that they were true heroes. So that's what sparked off the writing of the book. And as you read through these diaries, what surprised you the most? Uh, I think that um, what, what surprised me the most, and in a way was the most inspiring, was the unbelievable ability of human beings to survive and to be resilient, even in the most extreme of circumstances. Uh, and there were lots of really important things that pulled them through, one of which was, was comradeship, was friendship. Like nearly all of them had a particularly close mate or friend. And between them, they could overcome the odds, but they couldn't have managed it on their own. So it was the resilience of these extraordinary men that I really marked them out for me. John, take us back to Nagasaki before the bomb is dropped. What, what was life like there? What was going on? Well, Nagasaki was, uh, as you said at the beginning, the most European of port. Of, of Japanese cities. It had a, a strong Christian community, strong Catholic community. Um, it, it had been the, the gateway to the rest of the world um, uh, early on. Madame Butterfly was, was set there, so it was quite European. But it was uh, the beating heart of the uh, 
uh, industrial uh, military machine of Japan. Mitsubishi uh, was based there. They made aircraft, ships, uh, torpedoes, ammunitions. And at, at its peak, there were nearly 2,000 Allied prisoners, British, American, Australian, Dutch, who were working in two camps in Nagasaki. And most of them were working as shipbuilders. They had no experience of shipbuilding. Uh, that would have taken them years at home, but they were expected to become riveters or shipwrights mates in a few days and, and to build oil tankers and other important ships for, for, for Japan. Any of these men stand out to you as you went through the interviews and the rarely seen notes and memoirs? Well, I think that uh, there, was, there was one remarkable, there were a lot of remarkable people, but um, there, there was an American called Frank Fujita from, from Texas. Uh, he was called Fu, and he was the only Japanese-American serving in the Pacific War. And his family originated from Nagasaki, so for him, um, he, he was terrified that the Japanese guards would discover his family origins because that would have uh, spelt trouble for him. So he, he was a remarkable man, um, but he was moved out just before the bomb dropped. Um, I suppose the, the, the backbone of the book is uh, a man from Yorkshire in the north of England, Ron Breyer, who survived uh, the Nagasaki bomb. Uh, and he was hardwired to survive. He was one of 10 children, had got used to foraging for his own food, used to surviving. He was highly intelligent um, and was trained in specialist communications by the Royal Air Force. Uh, he was arrested at, at gunpoint and nearly shot in, in Java. Um, and eventually he arrived on a, on a hell ship um, in, in Japan. And um, he, he, in a way, was a leader of men. He, he was one of the ones who survived but helped others survive. Um, he was a remarkable human being. Chatting with John Willis here on Speaking of Writers, his book is Nagasaki, The Forgotten Prisoners. Um, as part of your research, did you talk to family members? Yes, I did. I talked to a number of family members. Sadly, um, there, there really is, is, is virtually no one left, although I did interview a 101-year-old uh, in, uh, in the UK um, who had been on the, the, the River Kwai Railway, um, the most notorious piece of railroad um, on the planet, uh, where thousands of people died and they labored in the most appalling conditions. Um, and he was a remarkably cheerful, positive, upbeat, uh, upbeat person. So I felt very honored to meet someone. He died, sadly, not long after I interviewed him. Um, but I just talked to lots and lots of family members. And one of the striking things is that it's really only in the last few years that as the generation of prisoners has, has died off, that their children and their grandchildren have thought, this is such an astonishing story. It's mm. so important that it's not forgotten. I must write it down. And that accounts for why there are so many different scraps of material and evidence on the internet, uh, in little self-published memoirs, in letters, in diaries, and they're still coming to light. Uh, and it's as if succeeding generations didn't want the world to miss what their father had been through. 
and learn some lessons from it. John, how did writing this book, researching and writing this book, change your perspective on Nagasaki? Well, I think that um, there were lots of things that, uh, of course, just as, as a basic fact, I was astonished that we had um, so many Allied prisoners in Nagasaki. And after all, uh, the Allies dropped, dropped the bomb um, on, on that city. Um, but I think that I, I, was, I was really interested in the, the sort of survival tools that they used, the, the way that they managed to survive. Um, they you know, cut themselves off and lived in a sort of gray zone, but somewhere between life and death and just lived for the moment, just lived for the next bowl of rice, um, uh, which was a lesson in survival. But also they found ways, particularly early on um, in captivity, of keeping their minds occupied and their bodies occupied um, so that they didn't dwell on the on the future too much. So there are some interesting examples, for example, of theatrical productions and cabarets on the River Kwai Railway, which I mentioned um, in prisoners, uh, in Nagasaki's forgotten prisoners. And there's been some research done in, in, by a professor in the US um, about the, the role of theater and cabaret, not just in helping people survive, but it was a sort of small act of resistance if we can put on a production or we can put on a musical in the most uh, um, appalling of circumstances, it shows the Japanese captors that our spirit is unquenchable, that we, you know, that we will survive. Talking to John Willis here on Speaking of Writers, his book, Nagasaki, The Forgotten Prisoners, is coming out on October 11th. And John, what would you like readers to take away from this book? Well, I've tried to write this as a book for the general reader. Um, the reader who, whose position would be at the beginning, wow, I had no idea that we had prisoners of war in Nagasaki when the, when the bomb dropped. And I've tried to tell the story from, you know, from beginning to end, from the collapse of Singapore and capture in Java all the way through to the bomb. So you get a sense of what shaped, what shaped the men, the challenges that they had to endure after, over so many, after so many years. But I think that what you want most of all is for the reader to come away and not forget the men, for their experiences, what happened, how they dealt with it, to remain in their minds um, so that the forgotten prisoners remain, um, are no longer forgotten. I think that's the most important thing. And that's what I can do for, for their children and grandchildren, is to keep the flame alive, to keep the story going. That is a great story. Nagasaki is the book, The Forgotten Prisoners. The author is John Willis. It comes out on October 11th. John, thank you so much for joining me. It's a pleasure. And this is Speaking of Writers.